And good evening, everybody. Uh, welcome back to the podcast here for Draft 412. Our sponsor tonight is iHeartRadio. Don't have to say much more than that. They were incredibly helpful to us at our Stage A event uh, back in uh, April for the Draft Day event that we had there. Big thanks to that team, and in particular, Travis Marzina, who gave up his, his, his evening, came down there and helped us MC. So well done, iHeart. Looking forward to working with you guys again. Uh, but tonight, here on Draft 412, we're going to be talking Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, big news today out of the Pirates camp uh, was that their first pick overall, Paul Skeen, signed for $9 million. Uh, total slot max would have been 9.7. Uh, so it was near max. And I'll throw this over to you to start, Emmett. Uh, and then, JT, I'll come back to you. I know that there was the, you know, the rumors out of the Dylan Cruz camp that they wanted $10 million to find a way to, you know, to max out that cap. And it seemed like the Pirates were disinterested or unwilling to pay that. But they came pretty damn close with, with Skeens here. What are, what are your thoughts on this? And is there a backstory here? Or is it just that, you know what, they went out and spent money for the guy they valued the most off the top? I'm sure they'll tell you that this was the guy that was at the top of our board. Every general manager in every sport, when they ever take, a, especially a first-round pick, it's always the guy that miraculously matches up with their board. So uh, not that we're ever going to get a straight answer out of uh, this team, particularly in this general manager, seemingly. But it is odd that if, if and I, I guess in a day or two, we'll probably see what Cruz signs for. And if it's within a million... Um, all I can figure is that they opted for schemes, not for this contract, but for the next one, that they didn't want to deal with Boris, uh, of Boris, my apologies, uh, after six years in the majors, uh, that, uh, you know, maybe they have some kind of internal plan that schemes will be with them for 10, 15 years. And they figured, uh, they would be looking at having to trade Cruz after four years in the big leagues. Um, the whole draft has been a mystery to me. Uh, they've taken a ton of college pitchers. Uh, the ones that have signed have basically been at or below slot. So it's not like they're loading up that I can see for a bunch of overslot. It looks like the one guy that's going to cash in is me. Uh, because the only other prep player they took was late in the draft. Uh, this kid that I have dubbed Mason Martin 2.0, uh, that looks like he's probably heading to college anyway. But it's, um, I don't know. I, I, uh, I don't know what the plan was this year. JT, speaking to that, I mean, obviously you could speak to the Skeen slash Dylan Cruz question mark. Uh, of the evening, but you know, to Emmett's point too, that the Pirates in this draft went really heavy on the pitching position. I think nine of their first eleven were pitchers, and then more on on, on day two through their top twenty. Uh, what are your thoughts on on Steen slash Cruz and, and the signing tonight? And then, what's your thoughts on the Pirates going hardcore pitching this year? Uh, the Skeens thing, I think uh, Emmett hit it. I think uh, the Boris factor had a lot to do with it, and I think the PR. The PR nightmare that could have been if um, if there was that little rumor that Dylan Cruz really didn't want to play in Pittsburgh, but you heard that squeak through a little bit uh, the week before. I don't think they were ready for. I don't think they wanted the PR. I think I think the PR nightmare would have been terrible if they couldn't have signed them. If he would have held out, because I mean, like like I said, he can always go back to school for another year. Kibbs a junior. Um, I, I think I think that getting schemes for nine point two. 
Um, it's a record, of course, which every year I think going out, it's going to have a record every couple of years now. But I think they did a good job. And and but I was talking to um, what's, what we were talking about off the off the uh, air too was the fact that he just came into town, signed it. It was like no, there was nothing, no controversy, no anything. Like I was shocked that he did it this early. I I was expecting maybe a little bit of a. July 29th kind of thing, like uh, get it closer to July 31st just to make the Pirates sweat a little bit. But there was nothing at all from his camp, so I I, I applaud the Skeens camp. He want, he wants to play here. Um, you took the words right out of my mouth. It sounds to me like he wants to be a Pirate. He wants to be here, and maybe that was a deciding factor between the two. I'm thinking there was some word, maybe something that was said or something that was that was told to the pirates that they just didn't like about the cruise. I mean, we'll never know. Like Emmett said, it's just all, it's all hearsay. But um, I, I think the PR nightmare would have been terrible if they, um, if they couldn't have assigned uh, him, if they had drafted Cruz and couldn't assign them about the pitching. <sighs> your guess is as good as mine, man. I, I, I cannot believe with all the stuff we've talked about and the outfield. I mean, they have, they didn't take one outfield the whole draft. I know Mitch Jeb could be an outfielder. Um, he probably projects to be a center fielder, our second round pick, but um, I, I don't get it. I don't get it either. All these, all these uh, college uh, pitchers are getting for under slot. Where's that money going? Like, like Emmett said, I mean, there's not, there's really not a big guy that they have in like the fourth or fifth round. Of the, I mean, like you said, Meath might be the guy, but um, this is a weird year because usually uh in the past, um, Sherrington would have a guy that he wanted to put all that money, the extra money into, and he really didn't do it this year. So um, I guess they're just loading up on pitching, the depth in the uh, the organization. But I thought that the pitching honestly wasn't wasn't too bad depth-wise going into the draft. But you can't look at baseball drafts like you look at football drafts because baseball drafts project so long down the road where, you know, but I'm, I'm so shocked they didn't get more bats in this, in this draft. Well, you know, between starting pitchers and shortstops, I think we could we could send one to every team in the league and uh, and uh, and still have enough for a starting uh, starting offense here in in the Pittsburgh. But, uh, Emmett, you know, I think JT brings up a good point. You mentioned it too, uh, Scott Boris. I mean, is is should an organization like the Pirates be afraid of the guy? I mean, is it? I mean, is the bad blood there that bad that they just don't want to deal with him, or is it the fact that? You know, we as pirate fans here know how notoriously frugal uh, management is, and they just know that whatever they do there, with the guy will, you know, get their their players out of town eventually. I mean, is it is it should a, a team like the Pirates or any for that matter fear an agent like that? They shouldn't, uh, and if they do, uh, then you know they need to get out of the business uh, because you should be solely focused on getting the best players you can. Uh, especially in a league with no salary cap. Uh, you know, you, you can't be making decisions based on who their agent is. Uh, I don't know if it's because of things went so sideways with, uh, with Pedro Alvarez. I don't know if because, you know, the, the big three long-term contracts, Jason Kendall, Key Brian Hayes, and Brian Reynolds, uh, you know, it's early on, but, boy, those are starting to look like stinkers already. Uh, and they're just, uh, maybe they're just terrified of, of a second contract, uh, which again, if that's your mindset, get out of the business. Yeah. I mean, I, I hear you on that. And, and the fact, look, I mean, 
Alvarez kind of pay, played himself out of town. It wasn't it wasn't Boris, it, and it wasn't the Pirates. It was the guy just never never got to the plateau that they thought he would reach. But JT, I mean, look off of the Skeens cruise angle for a second. You know, the Pirates made some big news this week, and you know, they there was a bunch of call ups in the last month in particular last few weeks with, with Priester. I mean, you have Gonzalez, Henry Davis uh, made his debut be- before all of them. And now Andy Rodriguez is up. Um, I know that there's a message there and we're all in, you know, after the uh, all-star break and things like that. What, what kind of message might the pirates be sending to the club and which of these four are the ones that, that intrigue you the most? Which one do you want to see play the most for the rest of the year here? Your first question, I think the the the, uh, the statement they're making is the future is now. I mean, watching that power game last night, they were playing this song every inning for the first four innings. Every time we get three outs, they play the future song, and that didn't play much longer after that. Whenever um, Cleveland started pounding the ball, but I think they're just saying that the win, uh, the fans should realize, and I think we realized this about a month ago, anyways, that the wins don't matter this year again. Um, do not be shocked that the Pirates lose 90 to 100 games now uh, with this young team because they're going to struggle. I mean, there's no doubt. I think Priester Priester looked really well in the first four innings. He's curveball. He has good movement. But, I mean, Cleveland, you go through a lineup two or three times, you saw what Cleveland did to them. So the, the ones that I really want to see out of them, though, I want to see Rodriguez uh, long-term uh, get some playing time at catcher, which I was nice that they caught him yesterday. Um I, Henry Davis, just I got to see that kid just keep batting and playing. I think he's, I think there's no doubt that Henry Davis will be the heart of the team going forward. He's the he's the he's going to be the leader of that team going forward after McCutcheon's gone and all the veterans are gone because he just plays hard. The kid wants to win. Um, I can see him being the guy that won't let the, don't let the team quit kind of guy. So I, I I like what they're doing, but like I said, you're going to have you know. They're already what um, I think twelve games under. They're forty-one and fifty-three right now, tied for last. So the, the wins and losses don't mean nothing to them right now. Um, it's it's gonna be fun the rest of the year, just so, as a fan, as a as a fan of prospects to watch these guys. But it's gonna, they're gonna struggle. I mean, what Triolo's doing now and and Gonzalez hitting the ball that ain't gonna last. We we, we see that. I mean. But it's, it's nice to see them get their bats, and and I hope going forward that um, this off season means a lot to this team right now. After 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 the season plays out, what they're going to do? Yeah, Emmett. Same question to you. I mean, I'm assuming you're seeing them sort of waving the white flag here. But of, of those four uh, prospects, uh, the four big prospects they brought up, yeah, you know, which of those are most intriguing for you? Which one are you going to watch the most intently for the rest of the year? Yeah, well, the message that they're sending is we're capable of reading standings and see that we're when these things started happening, we've now crossed the magic 10 underline uh, and that, uh, uh, you know, the, any hope of a postseason is gone. So we need to sell tickets. Um, you know, again, maybe they're taking a page out of what the Orioles did uh, a year ago uh, and that they they mass brought up there. And, you know, to be clear, the, the Oriole prospects were higher caliber, uh, but they, they, the kids all kind of gel excitement and they went on a run uh, down there. Something like, uh, I, what was it, 95 or 96? 
when they they finished like crazy in August and September that you know foretold the next wave of, of postseason play. I'm not discounting it, but I'm saying it's possible that certainly JT's project, uh, projection of 90 losses is possible. But I also could see, especially looking at the schedule, I mean, they really haven't been blown out of games this year, not like last year where they had, what, four or five games where they gave up 20-plus runs. Uh, they, they are competitive. They just have to figure out how to close. Uh, and I think the, the, the one that I'm really looking forward to is, is, is like – JT said ending because they need to figure out what the catching situation is. Um, you know, in the offseason, Davis can go to Venezuela or the Dominican or whatnot and catch all, all, all winter to get reps. Uh, but you need to see one of the two, you know, grab hold of the catching position. Uh, and, and I think that that's really going to give you a good indication of what 2024 is going to be like. Yeah, well, speaking of that, I mean, the obvious question then is, uh, it appears that Pirates are going to be sellers, right? So, JT, I mean, who do you think they sell? And is there a possibility that they fool us all and become buyers here at the trade deadline if the right deal presents itself? Uh, the second part of the question, they, they could become sort of buyers when it comes to maybe – making a move with a, a another weak team that needs maybe infill depth and we make a trade uh maybe we, maybe we make a trade like a marcano or a or a castro for a team that offers us a young athlete or that that's where i could see us being a possible buyer or like an equal maybe an equal trade but other than that i mean rich hill um carlos santana um, I don't think McCutcheon's going to go. We already talked about that. I think that he has a, a handshake agreement. I think he's going to end his season here, um, end his career here. Um, David Bednar's the the wild card. Um, if they they feel they can get two prospects out of two decent prospects, like a top 100 and uh, maybe a, another top 15 in an organization for Bednar, he's another guy I would look at. I would trade any of them middle infielders that you're not sure about what you're going to do with like the Castros. Um, now we're hearing rumors about Brian Hayes not being happy. I don't know if that's just a, a, a local person in Pittsburgh starting rumors or whatever, which it could be because it was Dunlap and they're all struggling for some airtime right now. But um, I, I, I think that you could be a buyer if you make a, maybe a prospect for a prospect move. But other than that, you're, look, you're looking for anybody who wants a Rich Hill, give you some innings on the stretch, get a prospect for Rich Hill, you're doing your job. Um, I know Santana likes it here, but you can get a prospect for Santana. Uh, that was G-Man Choi would have got more at-bats. I think me and Emma talked about this. If he came up and would have hit like 300 and hit like four or five bombs right off the bat, um, he might have been a guy you can get something for. But uh, those are the guys I think you're going to see get moved like almost automatically. And then, like I said, Bednar is the wild card. If you really want to make a big, a big, big deal, it'll be Bednar. Yeah, Emmett, do you agree with that? I mean, you see these guys yeah. as, as sellers? Yeah, I, I, well, I'd see them as sellers, mild sellers. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they did virtually nothing because I could see them coming out and saying, hey, we've got this young squad. We want them to learn how to win. We need to keep veterans around them. We, you know, we've got this young staff. We need Rich Hill to kind of take them under the wing and guide them through the, the grind of, of August and September. Uh, you know, same with the, the Carlos Santana with, you know, he, he needs to be 
a sounding board in in the uh, in the locker room for these guys that that are adapting to MLB. They could go out. Certainly, I don't know that the return would be wild. But then again, whoever thought Tony Watson would yield O'Neill Cruz? I mean, you, you never know. Uh, I I would expect, and I've, I've maintained this all along, that the big moves are coming in the off season when you have a field thirty other. Um, 29 other teams uh, that would have interest in your stuff as opposed to a handful now. So just out of curiosity, um, look, I mean, the Pirates here, you know, they it, it looks like they're playing for next year. Do you, Emin, and I'll stay with you on this one, I mean, how do you see, looking forward six months, you know, offseason, how do you see the offseason playing out for these guys? And, you know, in 2024, do Pirate fans have any kind of – are they suffering any delusions that they're they're in contention for anything in 2024, or is that just another year to getting them one step closer to being in contention? You mean like April and May of this year? Um, yeah. Uh, April. April. Let's just stick with April. April was good. Uh, I, 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 I think, actually, that that – will serve as some sort of tempering device on fans' expectation. Uh, I, I I do expect them to be better. Uh, I expect there to be some off-season, off-season moves with the glut that you do have in pitching, especially as guys get healthy. Uh, I, I, I really suspect Bednar will be moved in the off-season. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me to see you know, Dale Santos, Majinski, Holderman, uh, Hernandez, these guys getting more high leverage situations. So the front office can get some measure of comfort that they can go into 24 with, uh, you know, with, with someone at the, at, at the back end that's not David Bednar. Uh, they very much need, though, to... Um, bring in outfielders and offense in general. Uh, you know, we can talk about, you know, Priester looked good for several innings, but even if he was perfect, they didn't score any runs. And Austin Hedges is rightfully vilified in this town because of his offense. But when they were winning, he was hitting 177. But no one's jumping on Brian Reynolds and key Brian Hayes and, uh, Connor, you know, Connor Joe got off to a great start. So they need more consistent offseason. I think if they put those pieces together, um, that there, there'll be reason for hope. But if they get off to a slow start, not that nothing would do it, but, uh, you know, yet another broom has to come in and sweep some folks out, starting with Andy Haynes. That should be done before the season. <laughs> JT, do you, do you agree with Emmett on that? Or do you see the same sort of – uh, playing out at postseason here in, in 2024. Uh, and then I got one final question I'm going to ask for both of you guys. But, JT, I'll give you the, the floor to answer the same question. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think I think, I think think most of the big deals will be done in the offseason. I, I hope, and, and Emmett talked talk, talk about this in an earlier podcast, the free agencies, the free agents that are available are nothing to write home about. So, the Pirates are going to have to make some deals for an outfielder. They they got to get an outfielder. I don't care what anybody says. I, I know I've been saying this since April, but you can't have 
you can't have shortstops and second baseman playing center field for your team if you want to if you want to um be in a pennant race. Um, I agree with the Brian Reynolds thing. Brian Reynolds has been a total letdown in this town. Um, for the money he got and the way he started the season, he's he's between 260 and 265 basically the last couple months. Um, but 10 homers, I think, if he even has double digits, nine or 10. Um, Still nine, I think. Yeah, it's nine. And and total, total letdown. I mean, Big, big at bats with bases loaded and stuff. I know he's he's hitting 350 right now with runners in scoring position, but it seems like lately with they've had guys on base, he just ain't hitting the ball. Um, he strikes out a little bit more than I'm used to seeing from him. Um, the Austin Hedges thing, I mean, I've talked about it in nausea. They, they, him and Delay, I mean, I think basically at least we see Rodriguez playing now, so now they're going to have a – a little bit different catcher. I still I throw Davis in there every once in a while if I could, but um they got to make that decision. Like Emma said, you got to you got to realize in the off season if Davis is your right fielder, so be it. I have no problem with if you if you have catching depth and Davis becomes your right fielder, he has the arm out there. We've seen that. Um, he had a couple errors this year, like on ground ball kind of things, where he bobbled. But I think he could play right field at PNC. He's actually sort of fun to watch out there. It's almost like having. Jose Guillen, because when the ball hits off the wall or something, he don't just lob it in. He's he's throwing strikes to second base. So if you're going to make that move and put Rodriguez a catcher or even uh, the other kid down in the minors, you want to call – he gets called up next year and he becomes your catcher with Rodriguez at first. You just got to – they got to make a lot of decisions. They got to realize who their second base and shortstop combo is going to be. Um, they they got to they gotta find maybe a place for Triolo if he keeps hitting and you ain't going to get rid of uh, Brian Hayes. Um, they have a lot of they have a lot of moving parts, put it that way, but nothing that really sticks. They don't have a lot of. He started a, um, a lineup for next year. I don't think you really fill too many automatic spots, which is sort of scary. But I do agree. I think this off season is going to be it's going to be big. I mean, they got to they got to sign a veteran or two, not just like an, an old veteran, like a I'm not considered saying like a Rich Hill. They got to sign a guy that can come in and. And be like a Marlin Bird, or you know, a guy like more like that type of guy that can help you push you to a, um, a playoff run. And I think in 2024, I think going into the season, if these young guys start to perform later in this year, I think there's a reason to believe that with Keller and Skeens, maybe um, there's a, there's a reason I believe this team could compete next year. I'm not gonna say they're gonna win a World Series, but if these young guys do good the last couple months of the year, I can see reason for being a little bit optimistic going in the next year. So Emmett, uh, final question. Uh, and JT alluded to this with Andy and Davis up. Uh, is this the future of pirates catching? Is it, can you foresee a team with these guys both listed at C's and taking turns at first base, right field, DH, that kind of stuff? I would say in the short term, yeah, until one of them grabs hold of the job. Uh, it's kind of like uh, your favorite, you know, co college football team that has a couple of young quarterbacks, and you never know who's going to, you know, are they both going to be starters? They're both going to get reps until one grabs the reins and take hold. And I think that's going to be the case. Uh, we'll see uh, how that goes. Um, you, you know, it, some decisions might be easier if you had someone like a Blake Sable in your system. Oh, wait, they did. <laughs> JT, final, final question. Uh, it, it, 
Andy and, and, and Henry, is that the answer at catcher, or are we going to see one permanently move? I think one at least is going to permanently move. I think the one thing a young catcher needs to do is to catch regularly. I think you can't just throw a guy in like, hey, you're going to play right full four games, not going to catch a game. I think the only way they're going to get better is to catch uh, regularly. That's why I would like to see if Rodriguez would catch again tonight or, or you know, start catching a little bit more now, um, get him in a regular system of catching because catching is not an easy thing just to, to play a position three days and then all of a sudden you're catching again. It's it's a repet. I, I caught I caught in Legion ball and a little bit in high school. It's a repetitive repetitive thing that you want to get your body used to to beating up and um, I don't think it'd be a good idea to have a guy playing right field for three games and then catch a game and then. So I think for the short term, like he said, I think you're going to see four different catchers basically floating in and out and about the rest of the year. But uh, they got to make a decision in the offseason who's going to be their catcher and, and get the kids some playing time. Like like a, I'm talking, like you know, three out of four games or four out of five games, whatever they're going to do. Well, gents, hey, thanks for being on the, the podcast tonight. I'm actually kind of glad that Fanoli couldn't make it because I think when JT said we, the Pirates were going to lose 90 or 100 games, he might have fainted. So I think we spared our friend, uh, you know, uh, you know, a, a traumatic moment this evening. But I do want to thank, all kidding aside, iHeartRadio again for being our sponsor this evening uh, and look forward to catching up later in the week when we have a Pittsburgh Steelers uh, uh, podcast. So uh, hang in there. You know, football season is right around the corner. And again, to everybody, thanks for, for joining us this evening. Hope we were informative. And gents, thanks again for jumping on. Thank you, Thank guys. You.